Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel. I'm the host of the show where I get to interview Olympic hopefuls and athletes on their story and path to the games. Today we have an Olympic hopeful, Jamie Sinclair, out of Anchorage, Alaska, USA Curling. She is super cool. Um, Hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's very interesting to hear. She used to be Canadian and, and was potentially going to be on the, the Team Canada, came over, decided to be on Team USA. So it's a very interesting story to hear kind of the, the, the give and take and everything that she is willing to do to meet her goals and do everything that she needs to do. So hope you guys really enjoy it again one more time. Jamie Sinclair, USA Curling. I hope you guys have a wonderful episode. All right, another special guest, United States Curling Olympic hopeful Jamie Sinclair, born February 21st, 1992, all the way in Anchorage, Alaska, currently lives in Manitick, Canada. She started curling at the age of nine, attended Carleton University in Ottawa. She's been on USA Curling for about four years, since about 2014, and today she's hanging out with us for a couple minutes. So, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Happy to be here. Thank yes, you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. So, um, that was such a small, small intro. Could you, I guess, tell us your story if you don't mind? Give us, you know, I think best stories start best from the beginning. So if you don't mind taking us through and um, All right. <laughs> taking you way back, let's do it. Let's do um, it. Well, I grew up in a family of curlers, so it was just a natural thing to be put into the sport. Um, I played with my brothers and it was really fun, kind of just a family thing on Sundays. Um, then I started competing and I got the competitive bug when I was like 10, 11. Um, I just realized that I was like, I'm kind of good at this. So I think I'm going to keep going. You know, <laughs> I enjoyed winning um, and uh, and competing. So um, I since I grew up actually mostly in Canada, I, I played for Canada for a few years. Um, I had some good success there winning a couple uh, provincials and national championships. But um, the depth of field is like really big in Canada. <laughs> Pretty much everybody's, uh, you know, either curling or playing hockey. So um, after I finished university, um, I got a phone call from the director of high performance in the States and he knew that I, I had dual citizenship. So he was interested in um, having me try out for the team, try out for the high performance program. So um, I just thought it was a great opportunity um, to kind of bring my game to the next level, you know, and, and get that dedicated um, training coaches and um be able to get invites to like bigger events and competed at a bigger stage. So I, I tried out and I was fortunate enough to make the team. And um, so, yeah, so then, then I've been playing for the, for the States. This will be my fifth season. Love it. Love it. But you're still living in Canada. Yes. Well, I just moved uh, I'm back. Kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Le- leading up to the Olympics, I was fully living in the States, training with my team. It was a full-time thing. Um, obviously losing the Olympic trials finals was a heartbreaker. Um, I had to take a little bit of a mental break. So for the summer I came back to, uh, hometown of Mantic, you know, be with family and stuff. Very cool. So you were born in Anchorage, Alaska, but, um, I saw somewhere on the interwebs that your dad was, uh, it was because of military reasons, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was in, um, he was on an exchange with the U S air force. He was on the Canadian air force flying the F 18s or F 15s at the time. Um, but he was posted to Anchorage for three years to do uh, some training over there. So I just okay. happened to be born there at that time. Yeah. 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 Did that just kind of worked yeah. out, I guess, um, exactly. for you and for us. So, Hey, we, exactly, yeah. um, Mr. Sinclair. Um, so what, what was it like, I guess, being at a young age, just kind of moving around a lot. Did you guys go all over the place? Cause I saw North Carolina come up somewhere. I saw obviously we Canada, moved around Anchorage, a ton. Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. 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 What was that like? And I guess 
being able to like grow up and, and kind of having those very interesting yeah. experiences all over the country and, and even international. Well, I think that's just it. We got a lot of experiences very young. Um, we, we didn't have the typical childhood, you know, where you have your friends that you've had forever. We were moving around every two years. Um, so the good thing is that I, I, I grew up really close to my brothers. Like we're best friends. We're always doing everything together, which is great because you have that consistency from, uh, from, city to city, country to country that you're moving to. Um, so that was really nice. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was tough always kind of having to start over at uh, different schools and uh, different curling teams <laughs> and all that. Um, but the, the best thing I have to say is the community that the military gave us was just unreal. They're just, it was amazing um, support system, support network that we had and uh, everywhere that we went, every base that we lived on um, just extremely welcoming and it always felt like home. That is awesome. Super happy to hear that. And it all worked out. So um, before we go too much deeper into your story, let's mm -hmm. talk about curling for a second. So it's an unfortunate thing that it's only, I don't want to say this as a, it's a demeaning thing, but the, the majority of the United States only notices once every four years. We get real into it, I noticed. Oh, we definitely. Get super into it. And I love it. I mean, every four years, I'm glued to that television. I flipping love it. But, That's amazing. So, so I don't actually have any idea what I'm watching, though. I'm, it's like people right. throwing stuff at stuff. And I, I like throwing things at things. So I, I can <laughs> throwing rocks at houses. <laughs> exactly, right? Like, yeah, throwing rocks at houses. Exactly. So if you don't mind, I guess, just giving us a nice little foundation base layer so that next time when I watch it and I guess – what is it? Four more years. Hopefully, I'll remember this. Come back to it. Listen. Well, there, hopefully, and, there will be curling on TV a little bit more. Oh, um, crossing my fingers. Growing, so you know. Yes, absolutely. We'll be on TV before the Olympics. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. But either way, if you don't mind giving us maybe just a nice little um, introduction sure. or a formal introduction into the sport of curling. All right. Well, it was invented in Scotland. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm not going. No, let's do it. Let's do it. I don't care. I'm done. <laughs> well, Canada kind of like took it to the next, they mastered it. So Scots invented it, Canada mastered it. Um, basically winter sport played on ice. Um, you are throwing these stones. They're made out of granite. They weigh like 42 pounds and you're trying to slide them like a hundred and some meters down the sheet of ice, um, to this target, which we call a house, but it's basically a giant bullseye. And you're trying to get as many rocks of your own color as close to the middle of the target as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and you can play takeouts, so you can remove opposition's rocks. Um, that's always kind of fun. You just like throw it as hard as you can and make things go boom, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's a lot of strategy to it too. You're, you're trying to throw up guards, like rocks that aren't actually in um, the bullseye. You're trying to... Um, like hide behind those, um, trying to generate some offense that way. So there's a lot of strategy to it. A lot of people refer to it as kind of chess on ice because you're always trying to think one step ahead of your opposition, you know, predicting what they're going to do and how are you going to fight that. Um, and then there's sweeping. That's probably one of the most uh, interesting parts is two people just like sweeping the ice. They always get made fun of it for um, – I don't know. It looks kind of weird. <laughs> it, it looks but, interesting, uh, and everyone's always shouting. I, again, I don't know. There's a lot of yelling. Yep. Yeah. I do well, love that part. You're trying to encourage your sweepers to sweep harder and faster. Uh, <laughs> but the sweeping just uh, reduces the friction underneath the rock, so it allows it to travel farther and straighter. So you're trying to um, like maneuver it and uh, direct it the mm -hmm. way you want it to go. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. So going back to what you said before, we're throwing rocks at houses. Yes, exactly. Love it. I can get behind that any day. That's fantastic. <laughs> I that. Yes, yes. And I also noticed you're a skip. What exactly is a skip? Um, and how does it compare to the other, what, four members of the team? 
Yes, exactly. So it's four people on a team. Um, very, very confusing names. So the first person that throws is called the lead. The second person that throws is called the second. The third person that throws is called the third. <laughs> and the fourth person is called the skip or the fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, so super complicated. I know. You can yeah. hardly oh my gosh. follow that logic. Let's do that one more time. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so those are the four positions. I'm the skip, which means that I throw, well, everybody throws two rocks. Everybody takes turns, throws two rocks. Um, I'm the skip. So I. So I'm sorry, rocks. I don't mean to cut you off. Do they throw, so it goes one, two, three, four, and then you go back to the beginning or two, no. two, two, two? So you alternate with your opposition, but it'll go lead, like my lead, opposition's lead. And then my lead again, opposition's okay. lead again. So you get the last two stones. Yes. Okay, cool. Sorry, yeah. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, no, they go in, um, like two consecutive mm-hmm. in a row. Um, yeah, so I throw the last two and then I'm also the person in the house in charge of the strategy. So I'm like showing the people what I want them to do with their rocks. And then I do most of the yelling. (laughs) I encourage the sweepers to sweep. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Love it. So you're often lose my rocks. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. No, I'm, I'm sure it's well worth it. So you're throwing rocks at houses and screaming at people. This sport just doesn't get much better and more interesting. Oh my gosh. I love it. (laughs) Um, awesome. So thank you very much for that, giving us a nice little baseline and a good understanding. I'm sure we can go hours and hours into deep conversation about it, but I only have about 45 minutes with you. So I want to talk about you a little (laughs) bit more. So obviously, you know, as we said, you, you started in Canada, realized how that, that, okay, let me rewind, started in Canada, noticed that there may be better opportunity in the United States for you had dual citizenship. That's awesome. Come on over. We'll take anything we, we can get. Of course, was that at what point did you kind of realize that that might have had to be a, a possibility? Because I saw you were winning for Canada. I saw, mm-hmm. what, 2007, 2000, you know, way back uh, now, 10, 10, 11 years now, you were winning, um, mm-hmm. doing very well. You went to Junior Olympics, if I'm not mistaken, for Canada. Like, you were, you were kicking butt. So at what point did you realize, like, maybe I'll have to go over, um, you know, stateside and start to take advantage of some of the things that we have over here? Yeah, it, I would say it was once I was done my junior career. So that's basically um, like under 18. Okay. Uh, once I was done with, so I played under 18 in Canada. And then once I was done with that, I kind of had to decide what path I was going to, what path I was going to go down. Um, and I always kind of knew that the States was an option. Um, but at that time, like I, I had lived in the States for quite a few years. Um, so. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't totally sure, but what really made the difference was that phone call that I got, uh, from the director, um, saying that, you know, he's, he'd been watching for a little bit and he knew what I was capable of and he was excited about it. And then that made me excited to go down and try out. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it was always kind of in the back of my mind, but that phone call is what really made the difference. Mm-hmm. And now, so like, clearly you're obviously one of the best in the country if you guys and we'll get to it and I'm sorry, but got runner up. I mean, you're second, second best in the United States. It's absolutely incredible. Um, you know, what was that? I mean, was the competition in Canada, as you said, was is significantly deeper. So does then coming to the United States being one of the best teams here and getting maybe a little bit more attention, maybe a little bit more appreciation. Does that yeah, really drive? I mean- like, I don't know. You, you explain that to me. Yeah, that, that definitely was a factor, but that, that wasn't the driving force. Like, I don't want to say, oh, I went to the States because there's less teams and it's easier. Like, that, that wasn't it at all. No, no. And I hope I didn't come off like that. No, so no, I'm no. sorry. Okay. It, it's just like some people think that, but it wasn't. It was that um, it was, I 
I honestly found that it was an opportunity for me to, to bring my game to the next level because we would, being part of this high performance program, you are fully funded, you have access to the best coaches, um, not only in the States, but uh, they also hire coaches, um, like top Canadian coaches, top any, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, those resources, right? So you have access to all that. We have access to a sports psychologist, a personal trainer, um, all these things that I would never be able to to get on my own dime in Canada, basically. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that all of those things um, and also being put together with a team that's very, so you try out for the team individually and then you get put on these like super teams basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be able to be matched in a team of players that are like-minded and the same kind of strategy, same skill level um, was really exciting for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I guess that's um, kind of what I was assuming was that you'd yeah. have the the opportunity of all these extra things here potentially depending on on how you did and obviously they called and said hey we want you to get all these things please 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 right and uh you know clearly it, it makes sense um and, and we're really glad to have you here james <laughs> so much well, I, um, I have no regrets it was the best decision that i ever love made. it so now now here's a question and again i don't i don't know how to say this without maybe maybe it making it sound negative but i want to preface it with this isn't <laughs> is, there, is there any like is there any remorse? I mean, I know you were born here in the United States, but at the same time, it sounds like you're a little more Canadian than anything. Um, is that is that a age, fair? Did I? Uh, no, not yet. But I, I felt it was coming. I know you 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 held back. I know you. No, I'm kidding. But but like, I mean, growing up there, I guess that's yeah. kind of what I, I was referring to. Is there any remorse? Is there any like? Was there any weird feelings in the beginning? Like, oh, should I be doing like? I, I don't know. Like, I don't. Again, well, I don't really know how to word that question. <laughs> no worries. You're good. Um, it was it was a tough decision at the time and it was a little bit awkward at the time um, that I actually decided to uh, go out and try out for the team because I had just won uh, the Canadian university national championship. So I was supposed to go to worlds for Canada. Um, So I had to, but if I did that, then I wouldn't be able to Mm -hmm. compete for the United States for a certain amount of time. You can only represent one country in a certain amount of time, you know? Um, So it would have conflicted with the Olympics by like a week, which sucks yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I had to forfeit my right to go to the um worlds uh, in order to have this possibility at the 2018 winter olympics so my canadian team um was a little upset to lose their skip understandably um but they had they had some time and they found a great re- replacement which was good um but there's like obviously some some comments being like oh you know trader whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> going over to the other side but um um i think that it's just like any other sport right people get recruited in mm-hmm. from all over the world in any other sport um so i think it's just a, a natural thing when people are trying to compete uh, at the highest level yeah 100%. Um, so yeah, definitely definitely no uh it was it was difficult at the time yeah um, no regrets. Yeah, no, no, no. And that, and that, that does make sense. And I mean, the, the opportunity to go to the Olympics is sometimes once in a lifetime, uh, you know, so you have to jump at that opportunity when you get it. Um, the ultimate goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. For, for a lot of people. And, and, and I love that. And again, we appreciate it that you're, you're (laughs) fighting for us. Um, I think that that is, uh, very, very cool. So you, you know, as we said, you were, you were crushing it with Canada. So, so actually let me, let me take one more second. So you came to so you forfeit your right to go to world championships, right, for Canada mm-hmm. without actually being on the United States team. It sounds like you tried out for I had to try out, yeah. So there was, there was like that little percentage chance in the middle, yeah, that like yeah. both things could potentially go wrong, right? Right, 
um, which is what made it really difficult. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Just because of the timing of the way it all worked out. Um, yeah. So, uh, terrifying. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, but fortunate enough to make the team. That's awesome. That, <laughs> that is super cool. I mean, good phone call to get. I was like, yes. <laughs> Dodged a couple bullets there, didn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I could just see that. I mean, that must've been a, a, did that just adds an extra layer to it that like, well, we want you to try out. There's a really good chance, obviously they don't invite you, um, just on a whim and, and, but, but at the same time, wow, that is crazy. So, um, I was looking at your, um, statistics let's call it no let's call it accomplishments there we go okay so 2017 and 2018 it looks like you did everything um <laughs> you won a continental cup championship you were the two-time u.s women's national champion as we said the olympic trials runner-up second in the country at something that's pretty incredible you went to olympic trials as well for mixed doubles you were the players championship winner and let's just say that is the first time a united states team male or female has won a Grand Slam event. So that's incredible. What what happened in 2017 and 2018 where you just <laughs> kind of blew up and started winning all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a great year. Other than the Olympic trials runner-up, it was Second a fantastic Second country is incredible, <laughs> incredible, man. Let's be honest about that. I mean, it's obviously unfortunate, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, no, I think it was just, um, you know, it was our second year together as a team and we had been just doing everything we possibly could, leaving no stone unturned, as they say, um, in order to, I know that was a good uh, pun, right? Oh my gosh, oh, <laughs> too funny, too funny. We were doing everything we could to prepare for the Olympic trials and then once that didn't work out in our favor, um, we were just like we had that don't give up attitude. We still had a lot to prove. There was still a lot of season left and we were in peak condition. So, um, we just kept, kept going, kept pushing the ball up the hill. And, um, uh, yeah, at the end of the season, we finally got that players championship win. So, um, not only was it a good season for our team, team Sinclair, but it was also an unreal season for USA curling in general, especially with, um, what happened at the Olympics with the men's team, just mm -hmm. unreal. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really I watched fantastic that fantastic for the growth of the sport. Yes, that I was that that was a question I was going to ask later, but I'll just ask it now. I mean, what what did that mean for the sport? And and again, it's it's one of those things. The United States, obviously, being so gigantic, and then on a scale like the Olympics and seeing something like that, people in Canada are probably like, "Well, yeah, we've had curling this whole time. Like, what's up?" But right. now, finally, <laughs> here we're winning gold in it, and it's just that much more. So, what does that do for the sport? I mean, worldwide by us kind of the United States winning it and really bringing it a little bit more to the forefront? Well, I think it's the best thing that could have happened for the sport, that Olympic gold medal, because um, like you said, um, the U.S. is so big and curling needs to be big in the U.S. in order for the sport to grow all over the world because there's so much power that the U.S. has. Um, so the more uh, publicity that the sport can get, um, the more airtime, the, the better um, results that U.S. teams can have. Um, all of those are just um, contributors to the sport growing. And, and you can see it happening in the States. You can see like curling clubs are popping up all over the world, places that you would never um, expect there to be a curling club, especially in the South. Like they're being built. There's people playing. It's um, even though some of them are just on hockey ice, like people just love the sport. Um, so I hopefully you know, um, as far as uh, a player's perspective, hopefully that growth and that interest um, turns around into uh, like sponsorship dollars um, to help us, you know, compete at, at, the, at the highest level. Um, but I think just overall the growth and the more people that can get out and play the sport and fall in love with it, just like we did, the better. 
That is, yeah. I mean, that's 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 one of the things that you know, if we, if a country like, as you said, the power of the United States can really get behind something and just push it um, yeah. worldwide, it would be good for the sport, which I think is incredible. Exactly. So, but where, I guess, where are a couple places down south? I noticed North Carolina was on your bio somewhere. It, mm-hmm. They're just popping up like down south, down south now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, North Carolina has them. South Carolina has one. Um, like I'm pretty sure there's one in Texas, which is oh, great. Oh wow! There we go. There we go. That's pretty impressive. Is Arizona. I heard um, Arizona. Okay, that's yeah. free air conditioning there, though. That's I, yeah. I understand why they put it down there. Uh, Jackson. I heard Jacksonville. Is Jacksonville also have one? Yeah. yeah, and they hosted a national championship, which was Whoa. amazing to be able to go compete on this really cold ice and then walk outside and be like, "Yep, life's good." Cool. It's like 85 degrees. Let's go grab some ice cream. That is too funny. Yeah. I mean, that's just so, that's just absolutely fantastic that it's happening for the sport. As I said, I don't know what it is, but the whole country around the Olympics, you can just start a conversation and be like, did you see those guys? Oh my gosh, of course. And then they threw that one stone and then those people were screaming and something about a house. I mean, what's not to love about the sport, right? What's not to love about the sport. Uh, but going back to you again, and I'm sorry we got off on that little tangent, but what, um, during this 2018-2017 season, or 2017-2018 season, what, what is something, you know, you, you said that it was the second year for your team and you guys are really starting to like form, I guess, that bond and that, that understanding, that mental kind of connection. Was it anything else? Like, was it the, the fact that you were here? Was, was there anything extra that was driving you to make sure that you really could become and, and win, as we said, the Players' Championship uh, the first time for the United States? I think it was a little bit of everything. It was, like I said, it's our second year. So we didn't have to have a lot of those conversations that a new team has to have. You know, we were already formed. We already had uh, communication standards set and, 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 and everything. Um, I think that it was a lot of little things like the amount of time that we had spent off ice training between the seasons was huge. A uh, ton of time with the sports psychologist. Um, most of this was, like I said, like a ramp up to the Olympic trials. But I think what really differentiated us, because Olympic trials were happening for every country around the world, but I think a lot of, I think it's easy for a lot of teams once that's, that's the ultimate goal. So once that's done, and if you don't win, then it's easy to kind of fall back into mm-hmm. lesser habits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what the difference was with our team is that we just kept the pedal down and we, we just kept going as if it never happened, <laughs> which probably mentally wasn't the best, but anyways, um, goes both ways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So just kept the pedal down. So we, we kept doing all of that, kept improving, uh, technically. Um, and ex- especially we did a ton of work on our, um, strategy because we weren't necessarily pleased with the way things were going at the Olympic trials. And we figured like figured out what weakness we had and turn that into a strength so that's what we did between the olympic trials and the players championship and mm-hmm. uh, i think that's what really made the the biggest difference 100 percent. and you know again congratulations on that first time in the united states men or women let's just say that one more time that is yeah. absolutely incredible <laughs> so um i do love that but jamie i'm very sorry to have to bring it up again but we do have oh, to no. ask about the olympic trials i mean it no. happened i know i know but the it same- didn't happen <laughs> It happened. No, it happened. Remember what we were just saying? No, it happened, unfortunately. But I mean, we don't have to talk about it for too long, but it's definitely something. I mean, obviously, it's a huge portion of your life at this point. You're going to have another shot. You know, I'm crossing my fingers for you, all that Thanks. stuff. And, and clearly, it was something that maybe even subconsciously, if you tried to pretend it didn't happen, clearly propelled you for the rest of the season. And you were able to do some of the incredible things that you guys did. But what I mean, 
let's look at the positive second in the United States or something is absolutely incredible. Like <laughs> what, what is that feeling like understanding that you're one of the best in the country at something? That's pretty cool, right? Yes, it's, it's definitely can't take that for granted. Um, it feels really great and just blessed to be able to do what we love to do every day um, as our job. You know, we're just playing the sport that we love. Um, I think that um, the Olympic trials was tough in the time. It, at the time, it was the hardest thing ever uh, that you can, you can possibly think of um, because you're so uh, – it's a long event, first of all, <laughs> like um, uh, emotionally draining for such a period of time. Um, and you have to hold it all together. And then once that final game is done and you lost, um, everything just kind of comes out at once. So that was difficult. Um, but looking back, I think, like you said, you have to look at the big picture – and um, it was still a, a great accomplishment for, for us, a fairly young team. And also our goal, well, two years ago, if you asked us, um, if you did everything you possibly could to prepare for the Olympic trials and it doesn't go in your favor, would you be okay with that? And we just were like, well, yeah, I mean, if we did everything we possibly could, um, like, how could you, how could you not be okay with it? You, mm -hmm, know, you, you mm -hmm. gave it your best shot, literally. Um, so that's what we did. We, uh, we just, we did everything. We prepared as best as we could. Um, we, we did a lot more than, um, we normally would, or what we thought was a standard, what other teams were doing. Like we just went above and beyond everything. So looking back, we did everything we could. It wasn't the outcome, but that just means that it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't our time. Um, and when we finally do win the Olympic trials and we're going to go to the Olympics and we're going to kick some serious butt. So I love it. When <laughs> we win. I love that exactly. mindset. hundred percent. I mean, there's nothing, time. nothing else you can do. Um, if you give it your best, I mean, you, you did what yeah. you could. It's obviously unfortunate. I mean, I'm never yeah. going to be in the position to be second in the United States at anything. So <laughs> let me just tell you from over here on this side of the computer, um, I think it's absolutely incredible. Again, we sincerely appreciate everything that you're doing on a daily basis to put yourself, um, you know, to represent our country. And again, you know, not, mu not much more I can say after that. Um, you know, obviously don't want to harp on it too much. You did say that there was kind of, um, I think it was before we actually could record, um, that there was a, a little time that you needed to take off after the Olympic trials and everything. And, and did that help kind of just reset and recalibrate? Did that give you motivation? What exactly did you use that time for? Uh, yeah, I definitely needed to take a mental break after the Olympic trials. I was, I was pretty broken. Um, and I think that was just, it was, it was only two weeks, I think. Um, but I just didn't think about curling. Um, I went home to, uh, my family just spent some time, um, with people that I love and, um, just kind of took a little mental break to, to re-energize. Um, and I think I definitely needed that in order to, to then turn around and be like, all right, we still have a lot to prove. We still have a lot of season left and, uh, we can still accomplish a heck of a lot in, uh, in the next couple of months. So, Love it. um, yeah, just needed to, uh, to spend some time around mm -hmm. my, my family to, to re-energize. Very cool. Very cool. And also you, you were at the Olympic trials for two different events, right? Let's, mm -hmm. let's not forget about the other one. You were at the <laughs> Olympic trials as well for, for mixed doubles. Now it doesn't, from what I read online, it obviously you didn't become runner up, but like, no. <laughs> what, what was it like? I mean, as you said, it was an emotionally draining event and being there and doing all that. And then also doing it 
for, for two different sports. <laughs> I mean, or for two different disciplines within the sport, yeah. two different events. What was that like as well? Just understanding that you're clearly one of the best in the country at something if you're going for these two different events. I mean, that's pretty cool too, right? Yeah, the mixed doubles trials was really fun. Um, it was, even though it was still an Olympic trials, it was a very different um, vibe for me, I guess mm-hmm. is because it wasn't, like my number one discipline is is women's obviously mm-hmm. um so mixed doubles was kind of secondary so i i actually kind of enjoyed that one mm-hmm. a bit mm-hmm. more because there was maybe a little bit less pressure uh involved um so that one you could really just um you know kind of look around and and really take in the environment that you're competing in and um it was just a lot of fun to, mm-hmm. to play the mixed doubles trials. Very cool. Yeah, I'm sure, again, just being there for two different things, I think that is yeah. super cool and super impressive. And, I mean, just congratulations on both, hopefully. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, crossing our fingers for the next, uh, next go-around, I think it is absolutely incredible. And now we're working on – when does the season start? Uh, this recording is as of middle September. Did the season yeah. already start? Yes, it started oh. two weeks ago, actually. Oh, yep. What perfect timing. Look at that. How's it been going so far? You guys kicking <laughs> any butt? Um, we, we made it to the quarterfinals of our event last weekend, which is good, which means that we moved up to number six in the world on the women's side. Whoa. Number six. First ever. (laughs) I've never been that high before, but love it. Love it. Love it. Pretty exciting. Congratulations. Oh my gosh. Six in the world. See, there we go. That's also pretty, pretty cool. Right. (laughs) And I mean, so, so as you said, you were a relatively young team this first go around at the Olympic trials and now let's tack on an extra four years. I mean, at that point, like telepathy is in the mix, right? So, I mean, you're probably going to be in a better place mentally, team wise, strategy wise. What, what is that? Does that give you like more energy and more, you know, like let's go, let's go out and kill everybody, kick everybody's butt as we can. Yeah, definitely. I think age-wise, we'll be at our prime um, at the next Olympic trials, which is great. And I think the, the biggest thing is that, Last go around, we were young, so we didn't necessarily have the uh, experience. Mm-hmm. But um, first of all, the Olympic trials gave us a lot of experience. We mm-hmm. learned a lot there. And then the Players' Championship, you know, all the Grand Slams that we've been playing in. Um, anytime that we can compete on that kind of stage is giving us uh, experience. And that's just what we need going into the next Olympic trials. And that's what's going to make the difference is we'll be a little bit older, a little bit more uh, – wiser wiser yes. <laughs> a little bit more prepared <laughs> little wiser i love it i love it awesome so um one thing that i always like to ask about um or with with the the uh the guests that i have on the show is obviously the monetary aspects of being an olympian i personally don't think you guys get paid enough um i don't think you could ever get paid enough so maybe that's just me um but at the same time there are i've heard many different stories from many different people and it's just always uh, i always just like to get a good understanding obviously we're not going to ask how many dollars you made but at the same time, it's just, I, I, I'm always curious kind of what it's like living that lifestyle um, and, and understanding that you, you need a certain amount to get the best nutrition, the best coaching, the best equipment, the best training, yada, 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 the list goes on. But at the same time, not everybody gets that. And, and from your point of view, like what I've heard, maybe not from your point of view, from my point of view, is from what I've heard is if you are an Olympian, obviously you're going to get a little bit more. What it sounds like is because you're in that high performance program, you might be receiving just a little bit more, but at the same time, you're still technically a hopeful, let's call it, obviously mm-hmm. number six in the world is a little de- more deserving, but from the Olympic standpoint, I mean, what, what is it like and what, what do you have to go through on a daily basis just to make sure you get all these things and, and are really putting yourself in the best position to become number one in the world, be Olympian gold medal and the list goes on. Yeah, no, for sure. That's a, it's a really good question. Um, the, the good thing is that, 
being part of this high performance program, um, we do have a lot of funding. So the, the team gets a budget uh, from the Olympic Committee and um, that covers like half of our season expenses, um, which isn't bad, which is good. Um, it's better than nothing. <laughs> yeah, <But> right. We, <laughs> the team, because there's so much travel involved and hotel stays and rental cars and flights and everything, um, we rely a lot on sponsors um, to make up that difference so that we don't have to be paying that out of pocket. Um, and that goes back to like the growth of the sport is extremely important and it's not to sound selfish or anything, but the, the bigger the sport, the more sponsors would be interested and the more we could actually afford to, you know, not sleep five mm -hmm. people in one hotel room <laughs> would mm -hmm. be nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so sponsors are huge. Um, it's, it's, they're pretty difficult to get. Uh, well, they have been in the past just because um, of the lack, as you said, of uh, curling on TV. You see it mostly once a year. And, and at, at the Olympics, you can't even put your own sponsor on uh, uniforms or anything. So That's another conversation. Yeah. That's another conversation. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, yes, I, um, I, so vis I Visibility, huge. Mm -hmm. um, uniforms, obviously. But, yeah, the more it can be on TV, the better. Um, but also part of the high-performance program, the great thing is that we have a personal trainer, we have a sports psychologist, we have a nutritionist, we, um, we have two, like a coach and a technical coach and the director of high performance. Like we have a, a great support staff um, that is just there to help us whenever we want, which goes a long way. Great. Um, but uh, overall money, like we, we're not playing this sport. We're not competing for the money at all. Um, we're, we're just happy if it doesn't cost us anything out of pocket, basically mm -hmm. you have to do it for the love of the sport and mm -hmm. uh, to help grow the sport and uh, to, to represent your country. That's at the end of the day, that's what we're just, we're just doing it because we want to represent the country the best of our ability. hundred percent. And when you get to number one in the world, we'll call you a pioneer. People look back to be in the record <laughs> books, the history books, the whole nine, but no, I, I understand it's uh, um, it is very difficult. Of course you do this because you love the sport. I mean, let's mm -hmm. be honest. That's yeah. most Olympic sports are kind of like that. And uh, yeah. you know, we, again, we appreciate it. We, 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 we sincerely, sincerely appreciate you representing us and, and on a daily basis going out there, stars mm -hmm. and stripes on, on your back, on your front and, and going yeah. out and, uh, and, and trying to give us the best, um, you know, the best that you can. And so, yeah, there's really not much more than we can say other than thank you. Um, but with there is um, hope, like uh, other countries, they, the athletes get paid um, like a salary mm -hmm. um, for being at the top. And I think there, there's a lot of hope for, for the States. We just have a little bit of, yeah, crossing our fingers. <laughs> crossing our fingers, and and I guess to that point, I, I wrote down as you were talking with with the men winning that gold medal, and obviously sponsorships are driven by eyeballs. The more eyeballs yeah. you get on something, the the more sponsorships, the more dollars that sponsorships are worth. Did did the men winning? Did you see a clear uptick? Did you see a clear and quick like, oh my gosh, look at all these extra people? And now I'm sure after every Olympics, there's always that quick surge, but has that surge either not died down or was it bigger or, or did it last longer? Tell me a little bit more about that and kind of what you've seen on the dollar side. Yeah. Um, it's a good question. There's definitely, um, a surge of eyeballs <laughs> of, uh, people, um, getting really interested in the sport and like learn to curls at curling clubs all over the world. People, they were overflowing. So many people want to try the sport. Um, that was very apparent, but 
there, um, as far as that translating into sponsors, like companies wanting to get involved and uh, partnering with teams. Unfortunately, we, um, I mean, maybe Schuster, Schuster probably has a different um, perspective, mm-hmm. um, but us as a team, we haven't seen that um, translate, unfortunately. unfortunately. We were hoping it would. Yeah. Um, and it, it might just take some time, but exactly. so far, um, we haven't noticed a whole lot of a difference, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Well, hopefully someone hears this yeah. and, and changes that. And that's Please, the goal, right? Yes. <laughs> Crossing our fingers. Jamie needs your help. So, um, we talked about it a little bit, uh, but I definitely, the last question I do want to ask is just 2022. Mm-hmm. What's it look like? What are, so, so I know it's, it's four years away and that's always something that confuses me about being an Olympic sport and, and your ultimate goal going to the Olympics and obviously winning. You have to set yourself up so that you're doing the best possible at that time. How do you look at a four-year window and be like, all right, well, this is what we're doing tomorrow, and this is what we're doing in, in two years and six months? Like, how, how does right. that process work and make sure that everyone is in sync, on time, doing everything correctly when that, you know, in that one single day or two-day event, whenever it is? Crazy, right? Um, so yes. you... Crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's so far away, but yet so close. Um, so... To start off, like we just basically decided, um, we came up with what our ultimate goal is at 2022 to, to win a medal. And then uh, from there, you we stepped back every year deciding what are some stepping stone goals that we need to achieve beforehand, you know, to ha- have that experience and um, um, uh, like outreach opportunity mm-hmm. before uh, the Olympic, the next Olympic trial. So set a bunch of uh, stepping stone goals that we need to achieve. And it's kind of like, the four years is kind of a ramping up process. So this year um, we have two new players, actually we're now a five man team. Um, so the biggest goal for this year is like not so much outcome related, but it's more process, like figuring out going back to our communication standards and um, matching our deliveries so that they're as similar as possible. Um, you know, building a solid uh, foundation for like a, uh, a relationship because you know you go through a lot on the ice and off the ice so you need you need a solid um, um, foundation so that's kind of the goals for this year and then next year it'll be a little bit more performance and then the year after that it'll be a little bit more outcome um, so you're just kind of ramping up over, over the four years but a team that is uh, is going to win a medal at the 2022 Winter Olympics isn't starting you know the year before so definitely a four-year process and as far away as it seems you need to uh to start planning for it now basically mm-hmm. well, a couple months ago <laughs> yeah 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 even uh, looks like uh february last yeah. <laughs> February, right no um and that's that's incredible and it's always something that's very interesting to me because certain sports you know are, are very different whereas you you take off time you do this you do that and on all these things and i think it's cool obviously reverse engineering you know what your outcome is going to be and, and then figuring out exactly what you need to do to get there um and, and again, because this is a new process and I don't mean to ask too many questions, but heck, I can ask questions. It's my job. Um, what, what if like, if you're significantly ahead or significantly behind, of course that would never happen. What, what if, um, how, how do you kind of then adjust your goals within the next few years to still make sure that the ultimate goal doesn't change, but the, everything in between needs to be shifted up and down. Have you guys spoke about that at all or, or kind of how that process would work? A little bit, yeah. Um, and our biggest discussion was, you know, this year, if the performance isn't there, like, don't panic, basically, because <laughs> mm-hmm. there's so much other stuff that we're working on. It's 
completely normal to have a little bit of a performance dip, especially when you're um, adjusting deliveries. Mm -hmm. um, so we talked about that a little bit. Um, we didn't so much talk about if we're doing too well. Yeah, yeah that's true. Right? <laughs> that oh, a what a terrible thing to happen. <laughs> Say that again. Uh, it would be a good problem to have, right? Yeah, right. Um, uh, yeah, but I, the, the biggest thing is that, you know, if we start off doing super well, but then if we're noticing a downward trend, then that's where we need to um, kind of pull our mm -hmm. socks up a little bit and figure out why exactly the the trend is going downwards mm -hmm. and figure out how to get it back up. But um, uh, it's just constantly going back, you know, analyzing performance reports, seeing where you are as far as your goals, seeing if you're on track, um, and then if you're not figuring out why and what you need to do differently. Love it. Awesome. Well, Jamie, this was an absolute pleasure. Um, I mean, I, that's all my question. So thank you so awesome. much. One more time, Jamie Sinclair, USA curling Olympic hopeful number six in the world. As of this <laughs> recording, super excited when you pop up to five, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but other than that, Jamie, one more time, we sincerely appreciate that you put the stars and stripes on. We sincerely appreciate that you represent us on a daily basis. And, um, after speaking with you, I don't think there's anyone else that I'd rather have doing that. Um, than, than you and You're the rest too of your kind. Team. Oh, stop thank it. you so much. <laughs> no, thank you, Jamie. I hope you have a wonderful day. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Jamie Sinclair. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It's a very interesting episode, as I said, just hearing all the things that she's been through and what she's done to, again, make sure she's reaching her ultimate goal. So if you guys don't mind, please rate, review, comment, share, like, shoot us an email. I don't care. Anything that can get this out there a little bit more because I personally believe our Olympic athletes deserve more recognition for what they do on a daily basis. Make sure you follow Jamie on all her socials. They'll be in the show notes. And also make sure you follow us on Instagram at ourathletes.us. We got some stuff going on over there. If anyone has a question for me, please email me, michael at ourathletes.us. So thank you guys so much, and I hope you have a wonderful day.